CTBK is more than just a full-service accounting firm. They are one team with an innovative approach to accounting and rise to each new challenge with collaborative problem-solving skills. CTBK goes above and beyond by lending helping hands in the Buffalo and Niagara community through volunteer work and donations and has partnered up with Victory Sports for 2020 and 2021 to keep kids in the community active. The professionals at CTBK are determined to help individuals and businesses succeed. Whether a large corporation, a small business, or somewhere in between, call CTBK at 716-630-2400. Again, 716-630-2400, and see what CTBK's one-team approach can do for you. Welcome to another edition of Tim Graham and Friends, brought to you by CTBK, CPAs and Business Consultants. I am Tim Graham of The Athletic. We do not have Jonah Bronstein for this segment, uh, but we have uh, a true F from TGAF, one of the greatest Fs in my book, Jeff Darlington of ESPN, and uh, formerly of NFL Network. You may remember his work from NFL.com, from the Miami Herald. Jeff, thanks for doing this. What's an F? Tim Graham and friends, TGAF. Oh, I'm a friend. Oh, nice. You are That's a friend. Lovely. It's better there than is... being a fucker. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't sure which, what it was. We do not have uh, a filter on this show, but it's refreshing to see you on camera. With your setup oh. and everything, your Emmy Award right behind you, F-bomb yes. right out of the gate. Yeah, is that allowed? I don't know what what, uh, what venue we're on, you know? Well, you never know. It, it's YouTube. Uh, we are on uh, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, hmm. uh, wherever Great. Uh, wherever amateurish podcasts are sold, you can pick up Tim Graham and Friends. Brought to you by CTBK. It's I legally must uh, mention that after every... Tim Graham and friends brought to you by CTBK again. <laughs> so uh, Jeff, uh, you were at the bills dolphins game on Sunday. You're going to be at chargers chiefs this weekend. Yeah. Um, but before we get into your thoughts on uh, football, I have to say that your background is my favorite background of anybody in maybe of anybody <laughs> Certainly of anybody in sports. Yeah. And I was wondering if we could maybe take a tour uh, through your oh, background. Sure. sure. Um, yes. First off, the Nintendo. And yep. all right. So clearly you don't play the Nintendo. It's there for display purposes only. But right. do you, do you, can you pull it down? Is it still operating? Yeah. I mean, that's my OG Nintendo. Like this is the one I grew up playing as a kid. Right. You know, like it's still it's still fully operational. Uh, I still have the cord somewhere, too. But yeah, the whole the whole deal. So we've got. The games are not like, you know, what's funny about the games. Like every, everybody always asks me what games I have. And the problem with that Zelda games, on top, I can tell, it, but it's, but it's adventures of link. It's Zelda. Oh two. boy. And it's, so this is my point. Um, I, I find as, as I think most people that grew up in the generation of Nintendo is that like, you don't, as a 39 year old man, like I don't still have the games that I played because you either leave them at friends' houses, like what, what, you know, you trade them, you lend them out. So like, I'm not necessarily proud of my stack. Um, These are the ones I'm that not, weren't stolen from you. The yeah, ones exactly. that nobody wanted. So, the, the Adventures of Link, you know, whatever. The OG Zelda is definitely much better. Uh, this is actually, I mean, Super Mario Bros. 3 is classic. Like, All time classic. Better than Super Mario 1. Um, 
and Super Mario One is better than Two. Two kind of sucked, right? Didn't Super Mario Brothers Two kind of suck? I don't think it was great. I don't Jordan remember versus, it, so it must have. Jordan vs. Bird, not exactly like the best sports game, but but not bad. Uh, Metroid, look at this. This thing got some damage. Like that thing got some frustration. Metroid was a good on. game. Metroid did you buy that game. used? It looked like it had a, a price. Fifteen dollars. Yeah, fifteen dollars. Okay. Which is, I mean, that's about half off. Wasn't a wasn't a game about thirty yeah, bucks or so? They were yeah, thirty forty bucks. I bought my kid an Apple pencil the other day. It was eighty dollars. You know, for this this drawing app that right. you know, I felt like I could justify it from an education standpoint. I remember as a kid. $30 to buy a video game was a significant amount of money to try to convince your parents to spend on you. I remember one year, I'm going to guess it was 1994, the new NBA Jam came out. Yeah, oh, yeah. Sega, and it was 50, and that was like a threshold. That's a big I remember deal. showing up at the, the local video store, which is where <laughs> you used to buy your video games, you know, where you get your VHS tapes, and right. they had NBA Jam, and I I picked it up. I didn't even look at the price, and it came with tax. I think it was fifty five bucks or something. That's a big. That's a big deal. Yeah. I'm just, by the way, that's that's a lot now. You know, so I'm not trying to like belittle. You're right. It. They, saying, that's what they cost now. You're right. Technology is such that it's like uh, you know an Apple Pencil for is like eighty bucks. But by like also, I um. I, I do, I do find, oh, I remember one time I was trying to get Super Mario Brothers 3 when it first came out and I was like really young and I called, I got the yellow pages out and I called every single toy store to see if they had it and nobody had it. What I didn't realize at that age is that there's actually like a release date. It wasn't like these, these toy stores like acquired these on the black market and then sold them. But, but I didn't get that as a kid. So, you know, but it's a big deal. Jordan versus Bird. Yeah, anyway, Tetris, Super Mario Brothers 1. Commando, Spy Hunter. wasn't a big fan of these two necessarily, but they make. Oh, big good. big Spy Hunter guy here. Were you? Oh, okay. I love Spy Hunter. Um, Spy Hunter. They made. I was more PlayStation. Contra. I was more Contra in that in that. Uh, Russian there. Attack. Um, well, of course, Tech Mobile was the, so, the game that I rented uh, from uh, the local again the video store. I, I rented a console, <laughs> a Nintendo. Uh, and had Tech Mobile and Bo Jackson is what got me back into video games, right? So not only that, the reason that I have this book here is because of Tech Mobile. I became, because of Tech Mobile, you could argue that Tech Mobile is the reason that I am a sports reporter. That Tech Mobile led me to become a huge Bo Jackson fan. Massive, to where I like rooted for the Raiders. To where then I got this book for Christmas. I was in the fourth grade and I read this and I fell in love with Dick Schapp and the idea of being the person who told the stories about these players. So, uh, so yeah, Tech Mobile led to Bono's Bow, which led to uh, the bullshit that I now call a job. <laughs> <laughs> the chain reaction. Yeah. Um, I think Bo Jackson was very influential for me. Uh, yeah. uh, Dwight Gooden just a little bit before that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, yeah, Bo Jackson was a very, inf in fact, I, you know, we'll get into, let's, well, we'll talk about that. One of my prized possessions, I was going to ask you about your collectibles there. You have a box of uh, football cards there. This is, do you, uh, do you collect cards and stuff? I did. I mean, this literally was all stuff when I was trying to, to, to create a background. Um, I just went through the boxes that my mom, you know, that's refreshing the... to see football cards because these are the things that, that yeah. I think cards, cards at its base was what formulated my 
Um, yeah, I think that's I think a my, great vo- point. my vocabulary when it came to sports too, reading the backs of the cards, a hundred percent, because you couldn't just flip on the TV and and catch a you know twenty four hour sports. And I would just get mesmerized by these cards. I would mess them up just to sort them out again. But you also, but that's a great point. We didn't have Wikipedia. The back yeah. of the back of the baseball card was was our Wikipedia. So you right. would actually learn where the guy was from, his age, his career stats. Like you, you, it's a great point. Um, There'd be a fun I, fact, you know, yeah, about fun him. Fact. Um, yeah, those were always fun. Piece of stale gum. It was always awesome too. But yeah, like these were not my like. Um, so anyway, I was going through a box and uh, basically pulled out just any kind of old school memorabilia that I had. And, uh, and this is kind of what I came up with. But, you know, I threw these boxes because they're more colorful, you know, like the, the tops early 90s football were a little, you know, I think my most prized possession from bit cards is uh, I have the complete set of 1986 football, which was Jerry Rice's rookie year. And I think that card is worth a lot. but. Um, but probably not as much because it's beat the shit. <laughs> also, uh, I know that set. Uh, also, Bernie Kosar's rookie year. Bernie Kosar, I think. Uh, so Steve, make sure you Steve get Young. that in a in a Steve hard Young's. in a hard plastic case. Jerry, Jerry Rice is the only one I got like one of the cases with the screws. <laughs> right. But 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 after I already screwed it up, so I was pointless but as a kid you same say, here oh, i got into the whole graded card craze uh, during the pandemic i sent in my uh, jerry rice card and the guy at uh, beckett uh, who was uh, doing the grading uh, did me a favor and sent it back did he and said no no dice <laughs> he said no, we're, we're not going to charge you not, you don't want to you don't want to grade this one so so that's a bummer so like i saw i was looking recently when um, some of those cards were selling for millions of dollars not that i expect i was just kind of curious what cards were going for and the Jerry Rice one, like mint condition, is like, I think like 150 grand. But it's amazing yeah. how fast it depreciates if it's even like slightest little touch, right? Like any little error, you're, you're kind of sunk, right? Absolutely. I, I tried to get, uh, I, I'm going after a, a set of cards in which uh, I had a couple of key, key cards come back at, as nines. And so I That's told good. myself, yeah, oh, it was great. But there are some other critical cards in this set that came back as six. And, and uh-huh. so I told myself I want a set of eights. And yeah. I'm on eBay constantly. And to get to the, I had to give up. I, get, I, I probably tried it for about two or three weeks. I started picking up some of the, like the really, the scrubs. Oh, that's and cool. At like 30 bucks here or there. But the guy, the, the really good pl- players in that set, I, I can't do it. Too much. It's too expensive. You know, what's anyway. interesting, I, by the way, not to, we don't have to go too far down this rabbit hole, but my, my son, maybe is we six. do. I enjoy this. Yeah. My son is six and, um, and he's kind of getting into a little bit, but his buddy is eight and, uh, and he's really into cards and we actually have a place literally right down the street from me that opened up storefront and it's a card shop. It's a baseball card shop or sports cards. And I went in thinking like, how the hell is this place going to like, I went, it was exactly like it was from our childhood. I don't know what happened. And I went in to buy it because this kid loves cards. I bought him a pack of cards. Now, cards, by the way, a pack of like 2021 football cards was like 10 bucks, which I don't remember them being that expensive. But but it was exactly like it was growing up. And it's really fascinating to me that I don't think, I think we went about 20 years where these stores didn't exist. And now all of a sudden, it's almost like they're coming back in their exact vintage form, which, which is very cool uh, and also um, kind of fascinating. 
Yeah, I have a couple of places I go to. In fact, I was just stopped in one the other day, uh, yesterday, in fact, and picked something up. Yeah, it was really bringing um, back a lot of memories, though. When you—that's you the through. thing. I, I get in there, I know what this stuff's worth, which is dangerous, and I see a deal yeah. and I can't pass it up. And I had a little disposable income, and I end up coming home with something that I can't tell my wife about. It's like you're—it's you know? like you're—you're you're just kind of grasping for that childhood moment. I have—I have probably so I collected Bo Jackson cards, baseball and football, and I think I have like probably like forty or fifty in the in the sleeves of all Bo Jackson. And I like I still, when I was in the store the other day, I found myself literally like having this childlike moment where I started flipping through the, the, um, the hardcover cards looking for Bo Jackson's like, yeah, I, I mean, just one totally, you don't have, right. Try I don't to even know. I just, it was just this instinctive, like look for Bo Jackson, see if they have any. It was, right. it was very fun and nostalgic for sure. Well, the thing I was going to mention when you met, when you brought up Bo Jackson as being, uh, you know, so important to your career is that I, I've never had a Bo Jackson, uh, anything signed Bo Jackson. Mm -hmm. I'm not a big autograph yeah, collector. I. I was as a kid, you know, obviously, but I have yeah. uh, signed baseballs and uh, I went looking for something Bo Jackson and uh, found a 1987 team signed Royals baseball. So it's got George Brett on it yeah. and Brett Saberhagen and Dan Quisenberry and Frank White. And it's got a lot of people Man, on it. Plus Bo right. Jackson, Kevin Seitzer. You can't forget Kevin Seitzer. So Bo is on there. 50 bucks. I had to buy it. Bo is on there though. You got yeah. the Bo Jackson, Steve Balboni, you know, all the greats. That's great. Yeah. I got a, I, my, the only time I really remember getting a two, I have two autograph stories. One was Jim Liritz, the Yankees player. Uh, and I actually like remember him being so kind of, I think he got in some trouble down here or something. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't go, I won't go down that rabbit hole, but anyway, I just remember like being going up to him one day and being like, you were so gracious with the, with the autograph. The other one was, this is actually classic. Dr. J. I was at the Spectrum back where the 76ers played. I went to a game. My buddy growing up took me to the game. And Dr. J was at the restaurant downstairs we were eating at. And we saw him go into the bathroom. And I, I cannot believe I'm admitting this right now. But me and my buddy waited outside the shitter for him. And he was in there. He was in, I mean, I'm not talking like outside the bathroom. I'm talking outside the shit, like outside the stall. Waiting for him to come out. <laughs> I mean, think about that. Like now in retrospect, like. You know, now I see these people getting autographs and I'm like, God, these assholes. I was the kid waiting outside the stall for him to come out, Dr. J, to come out and sign my autograph with his dirty, dirty hands. Well, you know, stories beget stories. So here we go. We have rabbit holes and let's just keep going because <laughs> I have a restroom story, uh, <laughs> but it wasn't me. It wasn't me. I was actually in the restroom. I was actually finishing up. I'm washing my hands at the New York, New York in Las Vegas. This would have been probably 1998, 1999. And as I'm turning to walk out the door, back out into the casino, a flood of humanity comes in. To, I cannot leave. And it's Michael Jackson. And he's got bodyguards, like, you know, however many bodyguards. But then fans just coming in there. I don't know what they think they're going to do. Uh, but there, these are adults. You were, you were a kid at the time, but these are, right. cause it's a young casino. kid you have to have, be a certain age to be on the casino floor. These are adults and they just can't help themselves and they come flooding in. And I had to wait for probably, I mean, and keeping in mind, I mean, even though it is a casino, it's not like, cause the, the restrooms are so vast, but like 15 people come walking well, in. What uh, was he, was it one or two? I didn't stay. I was like, I was so aghast that I, I, I needed to get out of there that I didn't yeah. study. My journalistic instincts failed me. 
I right. did not. Uh, I did not take. What note. is that human instinct? That that hu that weird human nature that makes you see a massive. So I'm not, I'm not talking about me getting the Dr. J thing. That's like a little kid. Like I actually excuse right. myself for that. But like that, in a, like in a, a, a human would go would go want to enter a bathroom with with a celebrity like that. I don't. I don't. That's a very interesting human instinct. It is, and there's also. I mean, you think of you know cosplay you know people who dress up uh like star wars characters on opening yeah, night or they do these things but well all right so you just did that and i do too how big of a stretch is it than what we see on sunday afternoons people what? dress up like the players oh right? my god they put on right. the face paint they put on all the stuff sure right if you dropped if you were if you were an alien and you came down from out you know we we do these like when 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 us as humans do these like alien movies we have these like weird chants and these people at these like or these aliens at these weird mass <laughs> it is exactly what we do every sunday like if you hovered over earth and saw these chants like florida state like the the chop like eighty thousand right. people in this building doing this to, you know oh, oh, oh. like that is some weird shit man like we are we're and if you're the alien, society. you're thinking, are these a peaceful people? And you come and you hover over. And the answer over, is no. And yeah, it's like, these people are getting ready to go to war. We have to attack. Yes, for sure. And they're all centered. By the way, we talk, we watched Gladiator, like, like it's some crazy thing. Like, like we watched that movie, like, oh God, these people were crazy back then. Like, it's exactly the same thing. Minus the death part, but, you know. To some splitting degree. Splitting hairs. To some degree. <laughs> Uh, last autograph story, because I, I feel like I need to confess, <clears throat> and it's a cool story, especially with the Muhammad Ali documentary that's been on uh, PBS uh, the past few nights. Yeah. I was uh, living in Las Vegas for this also. I was probably 24 or 25. I could easily go back and check. And I was covering uh, what was billed as the world's biggest collection of Hall of Famers. And it was a it was a oh. national sports card show at uh, the Tropicana Convention Center down there in Vegas. And it was, I think, 60, 60 Hall of Famers from the big four sports plus Muhammad Ali. And so I'm there and I'm covering it and I'm interviewing and I'm seeing there's so much Ali stuff for sale because he's going to be signing. And the uh, Neil Leifer photo of him standing over Sonny Liston, you know, with the glove up and mm -hmm. it was yep. licensed which is a photo you don't see uh, all the time. Sometimes it's a knockoff or a frame early. Huh. Um, and Ali's about to sign in a half hour and there's all this stuff. And I was like, I got to get it. I got to get something. And so uh, cool moment. Uh, I bought the photo. It's a 16 by 20. I said, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get a how big one. How much? 80 bucks. Okay. Because this is the nineties. I mean, obviously it's worth way more now, but it was, I paid 80 bucks and I felt like, I, I don't know, I felt obligated and that's the yeah. pull of Ali too. I mean, there's something about the guy and that's why there's a document. Right. Ken, Ken Burns just did a documentary and there's been multiple movies made of the guy. So I'm standing in line and I'm just going to get the thing signed and I'm going to take it home. And I made friends with somebody in, in, uh, in line. I mean, you're just chatting, waiting for him to sign. So he goes to sign. And I guess everybody who went before me just didn't say anything to him or whatever. And he had Parkinson's pretty bad. And it was like, maybe everybody was uneasy. And I said, I, I said something like, it's a real, a real pleasure to meet you or something like that. Just a, you know, a, a thing to say. Mm -hmm. And he pushes away from his table and he stands up and he gives me the, no shit. and he goes That's under the amazing. chin and he was doing it just 
for the sake of there were no cameras around. Yeah, yeah. Turns out that the guy in line behind me took a picture of it. So oh. I have a picture of Ali doing that. And so anyway, that's my moment. That's the last time that's I, great. I went out and got asked for an I, autograph. By the way, I like I like the um I find myself and and maybe this was less of an opportunity when we were younger or something. As much as I hate that every athlete and celebrity has to get asked to take a picture, I, I love the picture way more than the autograph now. And I think everybody probably does. And not even from a social media standpoint, you know, just from a, but I got to imagine it's got to be so painful on these athletes. But that's great because that was like a candid moment. The candid picture is the best one too. Yeah. You know what I, I heard? You know what I heard Taylor Swift does uh, at a concert? Actually, you know, told me this was Stacey James, the PR guy for the Patriots told me he went to a um, Taylor Swift concert with his daughter and Taylor came up to his daughter and preemptively knowing, you know, that everybody wants a picture with her, went up and said to the, to the daughter and to many other girls, wasn't like she was, she was treating her special, said, would you please take a picture with me? Taylor said that to the girl, which by the way, what a, what a gangster move that is, you know, like that's a, that's that kind of what Ali, that's kind of what Ali did for you basically. Yeah, you're right. I didn't ask for anything. I didn't ask for yeah. an interaction. But I think the way I, when I look back on it, because he did didn't speak and he had his good days and his bad days during the 90s where so he could still speak, but maybe didn't want to or it was too problematic. Yeah, I think he felt he needed to communicate with me in some way and couldn't say thank you or pleasure to meet you or whatever. That's so he, that that's, was his way. That's of a moment that. for sure. Yeah, that's pretty yep. cool. Yeah. I don't know what um, else I got. Animal House. Do we want to explain that, or is that is that better left unexplained? That's it's kind of the hard. great running gags on social media. I don't uh, mind it, explaining it, but because it doesn't change anything. You're it's right funny. because no, no, who's going to be listening? It's not like well, no, they just don't. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. I can do it. So the deal is on social media for probably about 15 years now. Um, probably when, when I was first on Twitter, I think I did it one time. It was the first time I realized that trolls existed. And I, I said, you know, very seriously, was it over? Obviously not seriously. You know what I mean? Quoting the movie when there's a big blowout game, I tweeted, was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? And I, I got attacked. Probably wrong choice of words. I, I, I mean, all these people came at me on Twitter, like you're an idiot. You asshole. The Germans didn't bomb Pearl Harbor. Japan did. What a moron. Stick to sports writing. Coming at me. And I was like, oh, I, I started to feel almost like, like I was wrong. You know, like it's, it's funny because now foreshadow to this like cancel culture. Like I was like, oh, my God, do I need to apologize? I was wrong. And then all of a sudden I realized, well, no, these are the assholes that did never seen Animal House and didn't know the line. So I started to do it more. But as I did it in the future, I realized that most people have seen Animal House and it's very few. And this is what we have to remember about social media. This is a very simple, stupid joke, but there actually is a lot of societal nuance to it, which is we're, we so often bring attention to the, the loud people, as John Elway calls them, the morons with the megaphones, um, that we forget that most people who don't comment are probably pretty, you know, they probably agree with you. And there's hundreds of thousands of those people but then you get the few. So what I did was I would deliberately do this knowing I was going to get attacked and then not say anything and just retweet the people who would come at me and call me an idiot because then what would happen is the other masses would come after them and attack them for being the idiot and it would turn into just chaos on Twitter every single time I do it. At the end of the exercise, I never explain it. 
to this day. I don't explain it. I don't say anything about it, but I do DM all of the people that I retweet and say, I'd like to send you a copy of Animal House to, to watch. I do this for two reasons. One, to spread the great culture that is Animal House and help them better understand the quote, but also because generally speaking, the people who come at you on Twitter are also willing to hunt down your family and kill you. So I felt this is a nice gesture to try to get them off my back. <laughs> the best of them all though, the best of all of them though, Tim, is I find lately that I'll do it and people will attack me and I'll retweet them. And then I have these other people who will say, you guys, give him a break. He's a sports reporter. He doesn't know better. Ah. <laughs> Come on, man. So anyway, that's why this is back here. That's my yeah. This story. guy need yeah. He needed extra time to take his tests and stuff when he was in school. He's, he uh, was getting into journalism. It never gets old. It's such a wonderful joke. Maybe way, we'll I talk about football. Maybe we won't. Here's some other things I want to talk about, Jeff. I'm going to do it right here while uh, I'm going to do it live. I want to your um, uh, to make sure that I had everything in your bio correct. I went to the ESPN uh, press room bio. But in Googling that, I type in Jeff Darlington. And the things that it finished with are, you know, the Google where it does the smart search. Mm -hmm. uh, number one scary. is Jeff Darlington's salary. Which by the, yeah, that's, that's a scare. My mom called me one time and was like, you make $60,000 a year. And I was like, <laughs> it's like, I, I don't know where they get the numbers from. I like, yeah, I, I like when people try to uh, taunt me on, uh, on Twitter by telling me how much I make, yeah, um, right. because they pulled a, they pulled a number on what the average journalist makes, uh, you, but, know, but, hi, so, you make, you make $43,000 a year. Suck it. You know, the other one th that always comes up, I should probably say is Jeff Darlington wife. Which well, that's next. Yeah, that's number two. My Jeff wife is always like, wife. why are people Googling that? But that's also the same thing as salary. It's like this aggregated weird thing that some logger algorithm. That's got to be flattering, though. That means people are checking on it. I don't I don't think that's true. I think it's some kind of algorithm. I I, I don't think that that's the case. Jeff Darlington Twitter is third. Yeah. That's 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 common sense. That may. All right. That I think those three are all common sense. Jeff Darlington House. Also kind of weird. We, and, and weird weird isn't doing it justice i think that's uh i have my house blurred out on google maps i i, I i'm off all the lists and stuff i don't know if that's because like my background i don't know i don't know why that is maybe people see it and they're like where does he live oh that's true that is pretty back there jeff darlington's jeff darlington spinning yeah that's... jeff darlington emmy which is also right behind you that's pretty cool this is why the spinning thing jeff what this is why this is Jeff. Darlington oh, that, spinning. that, that. Okay. Right. I, and I've seen that. I, I'm, yeah. I'm thinking bicycle. Yeah, no, you're right. That's that thing you spin, do. I can, spin can you spin your things. Emmy? No, I can't. It doesn't have centrifugal force. Yeah. You don't want, you don't want to do that. Jeff Darlington home, same, same, uh, same uh, sentiment as the house, Jeff Darlington, Tom Brady, Jeff Darlington college. So that's, uh, that's a good snapshot there of, of things of what people yeah. are interested about Jeff Darlington. That is funny. Spinning is ahead of Tom Brady. Way ahead. And no Antonio Brown, although that falls under Emmy. Did you ever think you were going to win an Emmy? I mean, uh, come no. on. I mean, what's that like? We're, we're, uh, we're writers, Tim. You know, right. we're not in the Emmy. We're not what about this? What do you think about this Emmy? trophy? That's a hell of a trophy. Uh, fantasy. What, what is that? Celebrity fantasy football. Come uh, on. For the local uh, morning zoo radio station. That's great. And I it's like made it. out of steel. I don't know if you can hear it, but. 
I like the idea if you're going to have a trophy for something that you just go gaudy and big. It's obnoxious. Like, no, that's and that's great, why though. it's there. I'm not that's there because I'm so it. proud of it. It's great no, no. decorate. It's great 100%. decoration. It, it fills this space. I have this big white space. I needed something that went vertical. 100%. Like I was disappointed. This is going to sound like I'm not, this is not intended to be, a, um, I'm, you know, I'm pretty transparent about my vanity. So uh, this is not <laughs> right? intended to be like a humble brag. I'm just trying to point something out. I was disappointed. So this is a plaque that I got for being um, for, uh, University of Florida's 40 under 40. And it's a great um, honor great honor and it's actually a very nice plaque but the problem is like i i wanted something gaudy to put in my background you know like the emmy is like god like it's great yes it's gaudy but this was like you know so it's like oh you gotta get back there like we want we want you know we want flamboyant shit behind us absolutely you know? yeah yeah so yeah the emmy no but to your point no i never but you know the funny thing is about an emmy it's first of all what you find is that um what you think you're going to get an award for you don't and what you don't think you're going to get an award for you do it's very it feels very arbitrary and right. and kind of i don't know i'm not i'm not really i mean it sounds again i'm not trying to be like humble or because i'm not <laughs> but i'm not really like an awards guy like i don't really give a shit i like i like the emmy i love it i'm very proud of it and i'm very proud of the stories that i did to get it but i don't you know like who gives a shit it's all such a stupid Game. I hear you. I used to really care about the uh, best American sports writing. And yeah, I that's a good, get, but that's a good one. I mean, I wanted to get in the back of the book. That's all I wanted to do. I wanted to be able to see that I was back in the back of the book. This one, like the, these, these editions. Yes, exactly. Yeah. No, well, that one's newspaper though. Right. But there's a yeah, sports one. newspaper, yeah. best American sports writing. And um, I stopped submitting my stuff. I had stuff that I thought, oh, this has to get in this. It, all I wanted was an honorable mention. Right. I think I got it. And Sorry. then um, one year I get into the front of the book. That one. Right. Oh, really? Exactly right. I got in the book. I was the whole story. I was published. I was one of the like 12 or 15 stories of the of the year. And I didn't submit it. A friend of mine submitted it for me. I What was it? I, I remember this, actually. It was Dar it was a Daryl Talley story. Um, so that is uh, interesting. But also and I didn't submit it. It's which was point. cool, which made it feel even better that somebody that's what felt this that has is what to feels be good. Submitted. By the way, I'm getting too old. I just try to stretch back there and hurt my back. Yeah, um, but I think that's part of the reason why I'm disenchanted by awards too, because generally speaking, like I don't really believe in like submitting, like who wants to submit themselves? Generally speaking, the people who I think get rewarded the most um, are often the people with the least shame. Like you're willing to really put yourself out there. Right. Like, I mean, like would I love for people to submit my shit for awards. Yeah, obviously we're all, we all want that, but, but I'm not going to, you know, canvas the world to, and like at ESPN, when it comes to like Emmys, it's also really difficult to get out of the building. What that means is like, they decide who they're going to nominate and put forth. So you're kind of like going through stages and sometimes it feels kind of political and weird and I don't know, I'm, but I'm very proud of it. Right. And no, it's, it's that way at the athletic because you only get X number of submissions. That's right. And yeah. if everybody submitted, then they'd have, you know, thousands yeah. of so the athletic yeah. picks. It's whatever uh, the Buffalo news did the same thing. So that, yeah, I feel. Yeah. But it's uh, cool. They, it's let, cool. they let, let them pick. I think um, uh, just from a story time, like, I, I mean, the, the story I'm most proud of, it did get nominated, but didn't win was one I did on Dak Prescott with uh, this friend that he had who had no arms and, and paints. And I mean, it'll, you can never 
whether I got the award or didn't, like you can never take the story away from me, which sounds cheesy, but that's like, that's what we do this for. It, personally, that's what I do it for more than, I do it to be this guy, Dick Schaap, writing about Bo Jackson, something that people treasure. You know, this book is, defines our childhood. Like that to me is more important than, than the award up here. Yeah, Dick Schaap probably didn't win an award for Bo Knows Bo. Probably not, probably not, but I, I guarantee that our generation, you know, treasures that more than the stuff that he probably did win awards for. So let's talk about 2021 football. Yeah, man. Um, what were your thoughts on those bills on Sunday? Obviously 35 to nothing, uh, yeah. five touchdown victory, very impressive, but it, it's this, uh, it's been the storyline all week. You know, what's wrong with Josh Allen? Yeah, it's um, funny. That's a good, that's a, I mean, I, I, um, I think I, I talked to Josh after the game and the thing that resonated the most with me is that he was very aware of that. Like he said, it's actually, he said, it's actually a really good feeling when you win a game 35, nothing and feel like you left a lot um, to be desired. So, and it's a great point. Um, you know, people want to give Urban Meyer shit right now for saying that every week in the NFL is like playing Alabama. Well, because it is, it's so hard to win. And to thump a team like that, yes, it probably says more about the Dolphins than it does about the Bills. But, man, it's the NFL. And not to sound cliche, but you, if you get a 35 nothing win, like you run with it. The Bills are going to figure it out. I don't, I don't have any concern about whether the Bills are going to figure it out. They will. If it takes them a few weeks to get there, they will. It's a great safety net to have when your defense is playing so dominantly. So well. Yeah. And uh, it allows your quarterback to find his legs or – Mm -hmm. you know, uh, get his whatever equilibrium or rhythm or whatever you want to say, or, or uh, readjust to the defensive adjustments that are being uh, made to try to keep, uh, keep him under wraps. Yeah. I mean, that was a bad first half. I was talking to somebody with the team. It was like, man, I haven't seen Josh play that bad in a half. And it was like, but it was after the game and it was like this feeling of like, yeah, but then the second half, he got the momentum on that first drive. And so you do, what you got to do, man. You know, how many seasons that Tom Brady started off lackluster where we're saying, you know, what's going on with Tom Brady? Guess, guess what happened next? Right. Going back 10 years, you can yeah. probably say that, uh, well, you know what, it's, uh, it's run its course. 2018, he started, he, uh, in 2018, he started uh, the season one and two, lost, got thumped by the Jaguars and the Lions. Uh, that season, they won the Super Bowl. So week one, don't matter. No, or even after two weeks. It seems way too early. And there's something about the 17th game. Yeah. I don't know why, but it yeah. seems like the season's a lot longer. You know, <laughs> it it's does. just one game, doesn't it? It seems like they've added five games. And you're like, well, you know, we got there some time probably, to stretch our legs here. You know what, though? There is probably, and it's not a lot. To your, it's, it's only one game, but there is probably something to say because on the front end, you lose a preseason game, too. And as much as people hate the preseason, teams – do find in as much as even at the end of the preseason teams want it to be over there's value in those extra games and uh you, you might see a little more rust at the beginning of the year as a result what's your scouting report on uh chargers chiefs uh, obviously yeah, be there. Uh, fans in buffalo have their eyes on kansas city and see a as little bit should. of a stumble or maybe actually they should have their be... eyes on both teams yeah absolutely um or, but or, or maybe bills fans are supposed to be that much more concerned with Baltimore being uh, better than they were last year. I'm not as, uh, and again, this goes right to the, 
same conversation we were having. I was very surprised the Chiefs lost that game to Baltimore, um, but I don't think that that's an indication of things to come. Just as I would say, you know, cooler heads with the Bills as well. Um, and in fact, same as the Chargers losing to the Cowboys. Um, these are all really good teams that are going to be there at the end. There's no question in my mind. I mean, I would say Chiefs, Bills, and honestly, even the Titans who got off to a rocky start with week one, those three teams are, to me, the three best teams in the AFC. Uh, you don't think it's Denver? Uh, the two? It, it's not the 2-0 and Denver Broncos? See, that's what I'm yeah. saying. I, I'm not... Are you kidding? Because I'm not sold. I am okay, kidding. You're kidding. Okay. I am kidding. Yes. Yeah. Like that. But that's, I, I mean, I get. So it is important to get wins early in the season. You don't want to start in a hole, um, but it's totally fine to not look great doing so. Um, and by the way, back to the point about, I don't think the Balt, I don't think Baltimore has sustainability with the backfield and the injuries that they endured already. Lamar having to do it all on his own. I love Lamar Jackson. I love watching him. I don't know how that team can sustain what they're going to have to do all season. And the Chiefs have that sustainability. The Bills do. The Chargers, uh, we'll see. You know, I want to see more from them. But, uh, you know, as long as the Bills can win the division, which I know shouldn't ever sound easy, I think that they will handily win the division. Um, you know, then you're just talking about seeding, which if you're not the number one, doesn't really matter. The Dolphins sure felt like the closest competition heading into the season, Whew. even after that game, uh, the final game last year in which the Bills right. won by 30. Yeah, it was a 30. It was 30. I think it was 56-26. Yeah. And so now they've won their past two games by a combined 65 points. Right. Um, and the team was tweaked and, you know, adjusted and whatever Brian Flores wanted to do and had him just, just right and ready to go. You'd like to think, and they still get just totally annihilated. Yeah. Um, it, it seems as now as though now in the AFC East, we're back to, if there is going to be a challenger, maybe it's new England who also, who happened to get beat by Miami on. Right. On and that's, a, that's, I think that's, that's why it's so twisted. What happens below the, the bills there? I, I just, I'm not as convinced that New England, you just put Mac Jones in and suddenly they're the yeah. dynasty again. It should be noted, I, I, though. I don't know what your thoughts are on this, though, Jeff, uh, that they don't play the Patriots. The Bills don't play the Patriots until December. Both games are December. There's December 6th, then December 26th. Mac Jones, right. maybe he's had, well, there's there's two ways you can look at it. He's got he's gotten a, a look, that much more experience by then, but also you're talking about rookies in the second half of a right. season, that wall that they hit. They're not used to having to eat, live, and breathe football. Uh, there are no classes. Everything is just football. I mean, who knows what mental state Mac Jones is going to be in come the holidays. Yeah, I, I think it's tricky with Mac because there is this, and people can say they don't feel like they, that they, they aren't trying to compare him to Tom Brady. But if, it, if Mac Jones was in any other place, I don't, I don't think that we would be heightening our expectations to the degree that we are right now with him in New England. So... Uh, you know, he's been, he's been excellent as a rookie. He, I mean, I guess I'm trying to think through the rookies after Zach Wilson's performance this week. I think Mac Jones is clearly the best rookie right now, but I still, the bills are just a better team. And um, I don't think there's much you can do to convince me otherwise. I mean, look, the, I'm not a big guy to say, well, they, this team, what this team beat this team. So this team's better than this team. 
But it's hard to ignore the fact that the Dolphins, the team that the Bills just beat 35 to nothing, beat the Patriots the week before. <laughs> that I, I can't not take that into account when you're assessing the AFC East. Right. And uh, let's not leave out the Jets. Yeah, no, but let's why, go ahead and but, leave out the Jets. Yeah, let's leave out the Jets. You were trying to give me a serious analysis. Like <laughs> no, I wasn't. I was literally going to tell you, I don't think we should do that. No, no. I don't Let's even talk know. more about Michael Jackson's bathroom habits. Yeah, but I, it's funny because I don't even I don't even feel like I know enough about the Jets anyway. I, I know that people want to care about them, but they're an afterthought until proven otherwise, with the exception of their quarterback. They're, and, they're and, an and so too are the Dolphins now. And I think that that is a that is a shell shock to the organization from the standpoint that last year they really coming into this year because of the margin of defeat that they had last year, they really looked at the one Bills game as the only time they got blown out that their point differential was such that they were going to be good this year. That when you look back, most teams that are on the cusp of being good, including the Bills, they have a season before where maybe the record isn't awesome, but, but all the games are super close. And as a result, the Dolphins thought this was going to be a year. And maybe it's early. Maybe the Bills are just that they just have the Dolphins number, but that was not a great indication of things to come. Well, Jeff, this has been a hoot. Uh, very nice of you to uh, carve out uh, some time. Yeah, no problem. From man. your it morning, was a pleasure, Tim. Tim, you're, uh, you know, I don't know if people know this. I always tell you the story, but when Tim was on the Dolphins beat, every day was such a pain in the ass. I was like coasting for a couple years, and then Tim got hired, <laughs> and you were on the beat for like a six months. It was like nothing, right? Six or seven months, right? But what? it was a uh, it. W- w- those seven months left scars on me. Oh, yeah, and we had some. Maybe let's, had let's some. quickly talk about that. Not not yeah. us competing, but that season. So I I leave a National Hockey League beat in a one paper town. What was the season? In, this was two thousand and seven when the Dolphins okay. went yeah, one and fifteen. So I I'm intimidated. I go down to a major market that has multiple newspapers, multiple sports radio stations, two mm-hmm. full sets of TV stations. You know everything, and this team's. Hasn't won a game yet um, with the backdrop of the Patriots running the table and looking to take away the glory of the 72 Dolphins. You have Ricky Williams coming back from a suspension and gets hurt in his first game back. You have Zach Thomas getting a season-ending concussion in a fender bender outside the stadium. Holy shit, driving back. You have Cam Cameron getting fired. Uh, uh, Randy Mueller getting fired. And so you have a head coaching search and a GM search. Bill Parcells comes in. Wayne Huizenga sells the team. Yep. Uh, Jason Taylor and Dancing with the Stars. Uh, Was that all I'm the sure. time that you were there? This, this all is, happened? This is just while I'm at the Palm Beach Post covering the Dolphins. This was, yeah. Dude, you know, beat. Cleo Lemon and John Beck and Trent Green. And, um, you know, they had, I think, four quarter, four different starting quarterbacks that season. Um, it never stopped. It, w- it, it was a trial by fire. And it was, as, as Mark on at the Buffalo News says, you, you can cover football for another 15 years and not accumulate as much as you had to do in those six months. Yeah. So I was just trying to keep my head above water. I mean, it was, it, um, it, so that was 2007. I got on the beat in 2005. So think about this. My first day back, my first day on that beat with the Palm Beach Post, because then I went to the Miami Herald and you came down in Palm Beach Post. The first day on the beat was Ricky Williams coming out of retirement, showing up completely skinny, right out of the tent with the beard and everything. Right. Um, uh, to Nick Saban saying, I am not going to be the coach of Alabama. 
um, to Cam Cameron's hiring, to all the things that you just mentioned. I mean, it, it was insane. And then after that, Bill Parcells, Tony Sperano, Jeff Ireland and Parcells flying across the country to meet with Jim Harbaugh. It was unbelievable. The beat, it was, that beat was so dramatic for so long um, that, like you said, though, I mean, that, that you really got to cut your teeth uh, if you covered that beat at that point. And you factor in the sale of the team. That's right. Um, which down the, now in Buffalo, the way the structure would be on something like that. Well, I, I guess I'm speaking out of turn. That's not quite true, but the sports writers, not the business writers had to cover that. You didn't oh, have, yeah. you know, like we were Dude. covering that. But not that's the thing. I, we that was the thing. Like I mean, not to sound all glory days and everything, but the fun thing was like we were. I remember me and you were going like boxing match. I mean, totally um, uh, no animosity, but like we were throwing jabs. Like let's let's go. You broke something. I'd break. Like right. it was fun. But uh, but I remember with the owners thing. I remember um, cold calling Steve Ross, Stephen Ross, who no one knew at the time. He was just some developer. I'd like heard his name thrown around, and I just call his office. This fucking billionaire. <laughs> You know, like I call his office and it rang. If you called after five o'clock, it would ring from his office to his house on top of the, the it like forwarded the call. Oh, that's fantastic. And he picked, he's like, hello. And I'm like, hey, uh, Mr. Russ, uh, this is Jeff Darlington from Miami Herald. I, I heard that you were going to buy the team. Dolphins, like, I don't know what talk, you're talking about. And I'm like, yeah, Wayne Heisinga. He's like, I don't even know who Wayne Heisinga is. <laughs> sure <laughs> shit. I was right on it, but I don't think I. I, I have a I confession don't. to make about my one of my most one of my most embarrassing moments as a journalist which never well because you're a journalist you catch these things but sometimes it feels like how how close i was to really embarrassing myself george yeah. there was a guy a business partner george george perez george perez so our researchers at the palm beach post and we're working we're trying to find out george perez and we yep. get george perez's home phone number and i call up george perez and i don't know who george perez is Maybe if I had uh, covered uh, business in, in South Florida or I hadn't, right. I'd been there longer than, you know, six weeks or whatever the fuck Yeah, it was. but probably not. Well, I'm calling George Perez and George Perez doesn't speak English very well. So I'm talking to George Perez about the dolphins and how much he loves his dolphins. And yeah, he's excited and he seems obviously confused, but I'm a reporter catching him off guard. That happens all the time. Yeah. And hang up, and I and I called Nick Michella, our boss, and I said, I yep. just got George Perez. All right, well, let's turn this around. And I start writing, and I start writing, and something comes into my head where I'm like, I'm, I got to call him back. I need to, you know, get this detail. So I call George Perez back, and we're having this dance again because he doesn't speak English very well. And uh, I hang up the phone again, and I start to write, and then something just creeps into my head, and I was like, this this doesn't add up. This doesn't add up. So I could, it wasn't oh the right George God. Perez. It was a different George <laughs> Perez. And I look him up and he like, he's living in an apartment oh. like, uh, like in Liberty, Liberty city or some shit. And I'm like, <laughs> what? I almost filed this story saying George Perez. Holy shit. And there, it was just like, so yeah, I tried to call Dude, Nick back and I'm classic. like, I don't have George Perez. Did, um, with the story. And George had... Perez speaks fine English, but I didn't know that. Had, had he uh, had the had was he a part of the ownership group? He was rumored to be like he but, was. Involved. So he hadn't done it yet. Had Ross right. bought it? Heisinga's still no. Heisinga's still the owner of the team. We're trying to infiltrate this ownership, this new ownership right. group. Did and Perez? I don't remember. Did Perez wind up going in and in on the ownership group? I don't. I I, I don't remember. Uh, I feel like he did, but I can't remember. 
But if I, he I, had, my point is, if he know. had, you would have been right. Which is the. But it was the wrong George Perez. <laughs> right, I know, but that's how stupid journalism is. People went like, "Well, he was right." <laughs> that's right. It, Imagine George I think Perez I tried waking up to and block that. out George Perez from my mind. I think it was like you know, uh, I just blacked that out, and George Perez didn't exist. That's why I couldn't remember his. I had to ask you what his name was right there before I told the story. I was that's so, so good. I was mortified. Oh, you know what though, man? Like at least you didn't do it. Like, my instincts kicked in. There's a lot of people. It was, that, a, yeah, exactly. it was a delay. What a beat, though. That was a that was a fun time. That was a crazy beat. All right, you got to go, man. I, I said we were going to do this for about a half hour. Here we are at an hour. Uh, we talked about football cards and Bo Jackson and Emmys and yeah, man, Dak Prescott and Ricky, all kinds of stuff. Anytime you get Ricky Williams and a little and bit Jackson of football into the into the podcast, you're good. All right, all right. Jeff, well, thanks Tim, for thanks for having me, man. Appreciate you, Jeff Darlington from ESPN. Also from NFL Network previously, and of course, the Miami Herald, which is how I got to meet Jeff. Uh, very kind of you to do this. Yeah, thanks, man. In just a couple of seconds, we're going to get to Joel Staniszewski on the line from Vegas. He's going to give us his thoughts on Washington versus Buffalo uh, Sunday afternoon at Highmark Stadium. Uh, but before we get to Joel, I want to remind everybody that Amherst Pizza and Ale House is the place to watch all the college and pro football games it's there at 55 Cross Point Parkway in Getzville, right off of Millersport Highway and the 990. It's easy to get to. Amherst Pizza and Ale House has a fleet of TVs, indoor and on the patio, recognized by ESPN.com as Western New York's top spot to watch sports. There's a lot of energy in that place. And uh, it's where Jonah Bronstein and I go when we're done covering the games on Sundays. Stop in or call for takeout and delivery, 716 625 7100. Let me give it to you again. 716-625-7100. Amherst Pizza and Ale House. The financial needs of a business go beyond tax and attest services. That's why CTBK goes beyond accounting services and offers outsourced solutions through their affiliation with CFO Solutions Plus. These additional services allow clients to focus on their operational and long-term strategic goals. Trust CTBK's outsourced solutions to provide cost-effective, value-added financial services tailored to your company's needs. Call CTBK at 716-630-2400. Again, 716-630-2400. Or go to ctbk.com to learn more about CTBK's outsourced solutions. As promised, we're joined by Joel Staniszewski on the line from Vegas, although not in his home, obviously, but he is still in Las Vegas, uh, I assume. I mean, unless you're out in uh, like Pahrump or State Line or something like that or Prim. <laughs> Definitely not. That's too far of a drive for me. Okay. Joel Staniszewski uh, giving us uh, his thoughts on Washington at Buffalo before we get into his picks. And, um, well, We'll let Joel explain the picks uh, so far this year, but uh, it is that caveat. Uh, it is early, and you don't really know what you're looking at for a little while. So I think we're going to expect to get some traction here. Uh, but yeah, I've, I've mentioned that before. Uh, I don't feel comfortable picking that early in the season. Of course, I have games that I like, and I personally bet them and told you to bet them. So we're all in the same boat here for in the negatives. But uh, like I've said now, this is the third week in a row. Stay consistent. When you see a game you like, bet it. When you see a game you really like, you double down on it like we're going to do this week. And oh. uh, you stay with your picks. You stay consistent. You don't 
bet outside of your means. You don't chase. You don't play scared. You just keep consistent. And I haven't steered anyone wrong yet. So let's let's get back on track, and we'll uh, be making some money in no time. Another reminder that Joel makes these bets himself. He does not just throw some bets your way. Uh, he actually puts his money on these same uh, on these same suggestions. So, um, your thoughts on Washington at Buffalo on Sunday? It came out uh, nine and a half, and I got a lot of pushback from Bills fans. I I was surprised, and I guess it's a healthy a healthy skepticism or something, but Bill's fans were telling me that's too big. That number's too big. And, and now it's down to seven, or you can get it at seven and a half uh, at one place I saw. Um, but what, what was your thought on nine and a half when it came out? I thought that line was too low. I almost bet it right away because I wanted to get it before it went to 10. And I waited and I thought, you know, let me see where this goes. But I thought nine and a half, ten, ten and a half was more the number that it should have been. So then when it came down to seven, it, when I when I looked at it again, it came down to seven and a half. And I thought it was seven and a half even for the Bills. And I thought if this keeps happening, this line's gonna come down to seven. And I know the books didn't want to go down and start at nine and a half and go all the way down to seven. And they sure as hell won't go down to six and a half, no matter how much action they get. But I thought this number is wrong it's just outright wrong that number you could argue that that number could be almost double seven Uh, and i I know 14 is too much but it it's it's the the number in my head is closer to 14 than it is to seven so that's we're we're doubling down on our buffalo bills and taking it twice so if you're a hundred dollar better you're going to bet 200 you're going to bet to win 200 on this game why does that happen? Do you think there's such a disparity in, in your feelings versus the book? And obviously the public's feelings are going the opposite direction. Uh, I guess, what do you make of that as, as an analyst, when you see the numbers like that, not necessarily this specific game, but when the, the public is going against your gut uh, and the book started off against your gut. Well, the public is the reason why we have billion dollar casinos. So you don't get built serving up losers all the time. So th- those are one of those games that you wouldn't necessarily call it a trap game. You could, depending upon the, the schedule coming up and, and things of that sort. So maybe it, they're getting some, some, some extra play because of the extra time that they had off since from playing on Thursday. And the same for, for next week, too, with Houston, which is a little bit strange that we're going back-to-back games against teams that have extra rest. Um, but I feel like the only thing that would, that would bother me would be our secondary is questionable, not only in their play, but also in their availability for Sunday. Um, so if we're down uh, Levi Wallace and Dane Jackson, we're in big trouble on the secondary. Uh, but our, our defensive front has, has been outstanding. Um, and we've played our first two games against teams with really good secondaries. So Washington secondary, I think is pretty suspect. They gave up what 350 yards week one to the chargers and 250 to Daniel Jones, plus like another 130 on the ground. So if we play like we did against Miami, 
um, I think we'll be fine. But I think we're us as Bills fans are still waiting on Josh Allen to kind of turn that corner and go back to 2020 Josh Allen, where he's throwing for three or 400 yards, rushing touchdowns. Um, he played better week two than he did week one. But again, he's playing against teams with really, really, really good secondaries. Um, and, and Pittsburgh with a really good front seven. So we're playing against really good defenses. Now, Washington last year had a really good defense, and this year they are near the bottom. So they're going to be looking for their team's defense to rebound. We're going to be looking for our offense to kind of find their identity, which is passing, which is the passing identity. Um, but I feel like we're, we're, go- we're having such a strong push with our, with our front seven against a quarterback who's only won one game in his NFL career, who's a, who's a back, just a backup quarterback. So I don't, I don't see, I don't know why that line is coming down, but as a, as me, as a better, I'm excited for it. And I'm glad I didn't bet it early. I'm glad I waited so I can get it at seven. So does your confidence then come from your supposition that Josh Allen figures it out? Or you think that even what you've seen out of the Bills so far is enough to, to win this game by as many as two touchdowns? I think the Bills week two kind of, kind of got their, their bearings straight. Um, I don't know if, if the preseason or the lack of preseason from, from most of our starters took a little bit for them to get their ass in gear or what it was, but by week two, I feel like they've figured it out. And of course, I want the Bills to win every game, but we don't necessarily need them to be clicking on all cylinders week one. We need them to be clicking on all cylinders to get to the playoffs and to play through the playoffs, not week one. You know, look at the Steelers last year. They were clicking on all cylinders for the first 11 weeks, and then they fell on their face. I don't, I don't want the Bills to do that. I don't want them, you know whooping everybody for the first 10, 11 weeks of the season. I want them to be slowly building momentum, get their legs under them, you know, get their players healthy and keep them healthy and, and kind of just get, it's, a, it's not a sprint right now. You know, we're in the marathon stage of the NFL season. So take your time. And I think we're going to, we're going to get it squared away this week. Parallelism uh, between the Buffalo Bills and Joel Staniszewski's bets. Uh, you know, like you say, the marathon, uh, not a sprint. Uh, you got it. You're finding your way here. Uh, just to recap, uh, Joel went one five and one uh, on opening day uh, last week, one and three. So his uh, record for the year right now stands at two eight and one. He uh, he got the under uh, the Bills uh, under forty eight last week. That was a win for him. Uh, Joel, uh, still looking for that Josh Allen uh, rhythm uh, that uh, for yourself. So we have yep. uh, the Bills. Uh, we're going to double up on the Bills uh, yep. minus seven. And what else you got? Under. We're going to take that game under. That uh, is I know it's under coming down. 43, I believe. I, I don't know it came down that much. Last I looked, I thought I was at like 45, 45 and a half. Okay, bear with me here. Let me uh, get the latest. Yeah, get the get that freshy fresh. Hit that refresh button. We have forty. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry, I I misspoke. It was forty one and a half. Uh, that was that's opening, and who knows how far back that went. That could have been, you know, a month ago. But uh, four forty five and a half, and that is across the board. So you can't uh, you can't find it for forty six or so forty under forty five and a half. Yep. And what else? 
only other game. There's a couple of games that I was seeing that I was looking at that I kind of liked. Um, but the only game, other game to bet on, in my opinion, is the Pittsburgh Steelers minus three. Steelers, you're going to give three. And that game, uh, just to uh, give a full a full view on that, that is Cincinnati at uh, Heinz Field. Uh, and the game is off the board at, uh, at win bet. Do you know why that is? I am not sure. <laughs> I don't Understood. Know. Could, be a, could be adjusting it. It could be, uh, I don't know. Maybe they have some inside information that we don't yet, but I got it yesterday at minus three. So we're taking it at minus three. Find it, shop around. You'll oh, it's, it. it's all over the place at minus three. You can get it at BetMGM, at Caesars, uh, uh, at FanDuel, uh, everywhere. It's, uh, it, there was just a, there's a blank square there for, uh, for win bet. So minus three. Uh, to recap, Bills minus seven. Double up on that one. Whatever you normally bet uh, is what Joel is suggesting. Uh, go under 45 and a half. Uh, against Washington and then the Steelers minus three go ahead and give Cincinnati those three points uh, in Pittsburgh Uh, Joel thanks for doing this uh, as always thank you and uh, let's uh, let's see if we can get a get on a heater here yeah let's get get some let's get some heat going let's get on a little win streak let's get us back into the positives and let's go oh I'm gonna go back again what we talked about last week I bet the Giants on Thursday but I didn't say it because we didn't talk on Friday. So we're not saying that, but if you were in my brain, once these three, actually four bets, because you're betting the bills twice, these four bets, these four increments hit all four hit. We're going to, you'll be back into the positives. So if you didn't bet the giants and you're still in the negatives, but if you keep going, we're going to make it into the positives and we're going to get into the big pluses. You said um, you said that there were games you like but didn't want to give. Do you want to give the unofficial, or do you want to stay away from doing that? No, I don't want to go into unofficial. I mean, I like I like the Chiefs. Um, kind of like the, I like the uh, Packers plus money. But then I, the more I thought about it, the more I'm a little bit leery on on betting the Packers right now till they get some consistency. Kind of like the Bills. But I think we're just going to go with the, the, the ones that we think are locks right now. Joel Staniszewski on the line from Vegas. Thanks, Joel. Thank you. Take care.